This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 26 for October 13th, 2010. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that even mean? Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. With me as always... Father Andrew Dickinson, freezing cold up in Brookings, South Dakota. It's like 80 in Sioux Falls, Father. I don't know what your problem is. We're only 50 miles apart, I think, if that... I, I think it has more to do with uh, our building and uh, some things. That, and the fact that I left my windows open overnight probably as well. That may not have helped. And, and, and for the sake of uh, posterity, well, you know, people fact-checking the podcast, it's not 80 now here anyway. So there you go. <laughs> so, um, Father is back. Ba- <laughs> it's, it's a fib. It's a fib. How are we supposed to have a podcast uh, partnership? Uh, together bringing uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ethernets of the internets when you're lying to me about the weather in Sioux Falls. Stop taking yourself so seriously, Father. I mean, really, come on. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Father, as you may recall, uh, you listeners, is back after he was um, absent to the podcast, which is the most important thing, for a week with Clergy Days. How was Clergy Days, Father? This was excellent. It's always a great chance to get together uh, with my brother priests around our spiritual father, Bishop Paul Swain. It's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not always the conferences, although we had very nice conferences arranged by Father Rod Farkey and some other priests of the diocese. But, uh, it's just sometimes it's the downtime, hanging around, talking with other priests, some of those visits, conversations. Uh, that's always uh, the best part. Good, good. The gathering of the presbyterate. With the College of Presbyters. Yes, yes. So uh, today, Father and I, well, briefly chatted, and, and he proposed a topic that I, I thought would be interesting to, uh, to talk about a little bit today, and that is uh, spiritual poverty and the priestly sacrifice of, of all Christians, all Catholics, um, in union with Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Uh, Father, what... As getting into this topic, um, anything particular prompt it on your part, or, or just occurred to you as thinking about topics for today? Um, well, I've been. Uh, it's hard enough. It's come to me a bit through uh, preaching on some stuff for Respect Life and uh, uh, Respect Life Sunday back a week ago. I'm just trying to have a focus on that. Uh, um, gain or achieving or striving for the culture of life uh, this month. And uh, the theme that the U.S. bishops uh, gave us uh, for this month, do you remember what that theme is? Uh, Sadly, I don't, Father. I believe it's uh, Cardinal uh, DiNardo from uh, Houston, the Cardinal Archbishop of uh, Houston. And uh, uh, the bishop's uh, phrase that way for this month, uh, this Respect Life Month, is the measure of love is to love without measure. Hmm. Yeah. And so a uh, nice little uh nice little program, nice little motif and hey, it's easy to remember. Right. Right. As one of my students told me, uh I put that on I put that up as my Facebook status, father. Well, and and, and that's when you know it's a big time when it's a Facebook status. Exactly, big time. Uh so the measure of love is to love without measure, but one of the things that I uh just in praying about that and, and preaching about that is that, you know, uh, my, my efforts to love, you know, it's, it's two things. One, it's kind of my own little sacrifice, my own uh, Christian offering, 
So I've been thinking about uh, how we pray as Christians and how we make those spiritual offerings throughout our day. But also kind of realizing at the, set, at the, the other side of that is that my love will probably never be measureless. Right. My own love will always be incomplete, so I always have to look for someone else to complete that love of mine, namely Jesus Christ. It, just a, a quick question for you there. Can you... When you say to complete my love, so and we talk about that, and and to be honest, I, yeah, just give it a go if you can, and maybe you have some <laughs> quick answer. But what does it mean to com- when we say to complete our love? Because we use that. How would you put that? Somebody said, Father, what does that mean? As I am now, what, what's your answer? We talk about complete. Well, I- I think maybe instead of complete, maybe uh, another word to think about that would be to perfect my love. Okay. Um, just in the sense that my love is imperfect. My love is uh, inexact. My love is, will, will come up short, whether it's my attempt to love my family, uh, you know, my mom, my deceased father, my brother, and uh, his wife and children, uh, my call to love my parish family. Um, no matter how hard I try, no matter how much I focus myself in that way, uh, in some ways it's going to be incomplete. Even when I'm totally attentive to them and doing all my jobs and dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's, you know, whether it's going to be distraction in my heart or discouragement, something's going to be missing. Does that make some sense? That does. And yeah, I think one thing that's helpful, and, and I'm mostly I'm sure that those of you, those people who are listening to the podcast would would know that. Clearly, here we're talking about the the distinctively Christian, distinctively Catholic form of to love. It's you know not the cultural sense of of warm fuzzies and emotion. I mean, because how can what do you how can my emotions be imperfect if I'm if I'm feeling warm and fuzzy towards my spouse, my family, my parents, or whatever? And and it's clear it, it's this is where it's coming in. To love is to desire the good for somebody in a deeper, profound way. And that's why it can be imperfect because I don't always desire the good for another in the way or to the degree that I should. Well, I, I, that's, that's an excellent way to say it, uh, uh, Dr. Burwell. And one way I was kind of forgetting about, um, I, I still remember back uh, in the late 90s, I think, for me, when just kind of learning myself as a young man in college love was not always that feeling um that love really in a lot of ways is more about that choice right you know that action it's it's it's, you know when you look at you look at how's love how's love best signified in marriage but by the marriage right itself you know the words um that they speak you know um that choosing and then of course it has its its action the consummation of marriage right um but uh we even see that too. That that love is more than that feeling, just in our cultural notion of, you know, show me, don't tell me. Right. Right. Yeah, I think it, with with um, just speaking for myself as a, as a uh, a husband and a father, there are certainly times when I don't feel warm and fuzzy towards my kids, but in those moments, I love them, and maybe it's. I'm loving them precisely because they're making me the opposite of form, warm and fuzzy at that point. <laughs> when I when I when they when they need to be disciplined or corrected somehow. So, anyway, uh, just a, a a quick little tangent. So so my love is imperfect, but it can be perfected. It can be completed in Christ's love. Exactly. I think that's the the 
to me is one of the great gifts and one of my favorite gifts about being a Catholic Christian is how I how I understand how I'm called to love, even if I'm loving imperfectly, to make those actions, to make those sacrifices, to make those choices, to do those things. Uh, but with full knowledge of the fact that I'll do them imperfectly uh, or incompletely or only partially, whatever way you want to phrase it, but at the same time trusting that he will provide for what is lacking. Right. Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, I have an analogy, and I think I've used this I don't know if I've used this on a podcast with our audience before, but uh, and I don't know if I've even told you about this, but this is how I love thinking about um, different points in the Catholic faith that sometimes there's a tension going on. Okay. Um, you know that, uh, well, let's, let's talk about the Trinity for a moment. Right? In, the, in the Trinity, when we think about the Trinity, you know, God is, God is one, but yet God is also three. Right? The three in one. Yes? Yes. Okay, good. Amen. Got that right. And so I have to think about it about like think about like where uh, there's a corner of two walls where two walls meet. Okay, and uh, you kind of you're in contact with one corner and in contact with the, or you're in contact with one wall. As long as you're in contact with both walls, you're still kind of part of the corner. Okay. Okay. And you can walk out away from the corner, but as long as you can keep your arms out in contact with at least one of the wall, or at least, pardon me, with both of the walls, you're kind of still with that corner. Okay. Still with that meeting of the walls. Um, still part of that corner, that intersection between those two walls. So when I talk about God and the Trinity, I must always think, I must always keep in some way some contact with the idea that God is one and with the idea that God is three persons. Okay. The moment I let go of either one of those ideas... Then I'm kind of then I'm moving away from something that isn't Christian. Okay. Is that making some sense? Yes, it is. Okay. And so when I think about this whole idea of uh, love and loving imperfectly, but yet Christ perfecting and completing that love, I think kind of think of two ideas. There's the idea that without God we can do nothing. Right, John 15. I'm the vine; you are the branches. Right. And then, like Matthew 16, take up your cross, and he who wishes to be my disciple must take up his cross daily and follow after me. Right. Right. And so we're called to follow, we're called to act, but at the same time realizing that we can't act without him. Right. And we're totally dependent on him. Now, you could take one of those ideas to an extreme and say, well, if without Jesus Christ I can do nothing, then my actions are no good whatsoever. And so why even try? Why even make those efforts? And maybe it's just an idolatry even to make those sorts of efforts. It's a false faith. You know, if you would maybe overemphasize that idea that without him you can do nothing. Um, and then on the other side of things, you know, take up your cross daily and follow after. We could get so focused on our efforts, trying perfect, trying to make our efforts fully complete on this earth, that we would forget to rely on him thinking that our love is more perfect than it really is. Right. Okay. Or thinking that we can achieve that perfection. Okay. Apart from him in any way. Right. You know? And so, because I think that's, that's the great challenge of the Christian life, though, in a lot of ways, is that we're called to, um, to make those sorts of efforts. But at the same time, 
we're probably not going to make them perfectly. So how do I how do I reconcile that as a Christian man or woman? Right. You know, because I have to, uh, in the midst of my days, in the midst of uh, what goes on uh, in my life, you know, I'm called to to take part in uh, the Christian life. To love, called, to love yeah. fully. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. To make those to to dare to make that measureless love. But I can't. There seems to be a conundrum. Yes. So what do I do? But I, and then that's where the love of Christ comes in. You know, and that's, uh, let's think back about, before we get to the love of Christ, I just want to know, what, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, you making those daily offerings of love, those daily sacrifices, those daily Christian actions, whether they, whatever they are, whether it's in your life as a father, your life uh, as a husband, uh, even more primary than your life as a father, then, uh, or your, uh, Oh, sorry, Father, I lost you there. My life as a father, my life as a husband, or what did you say? Your avocation as a theologian. My avocation. Um, yeah, I mean, well, frankly, the, as I was listening to you and thinking precisely about that, the imperfection and the incompleteness of my love is is what was uh, paramount in my mind. Um, you know, trying trying to be faithful to what I'm called to, as you said first, husband, and then his father, um, and then in my in my work, um, my profession, my avocation, as you said, um, what was I, I was struck by just how imperfect and incomplete it is. Um, you know, I was I was telling you, Father, before we went on the air, how I've been reading uh, a book about how um, the the internet changes our minds, and and I just. One thing I've realized is how uh, the internet is a great time sink for me. It it distracts me, it takes me away. Particularly at home, it's easy for me. You know, maybe after the kids are down, um, I I get online and check email, check some blogs. Boom, an hour's gone. An hour where I could have been doing something with my wife. Whether I mean, maybe us having conversation or just doing something together, watching a show together, or a movie maybe, or or, or whatever. Um, where. I, uh, that's, that's an hour that I completely wasted or maybe when the kids are up, um, just, just, uh, wasting my time doing something that takes me away from them and, and just, and those, those moments, you know, trying to, to live every moment, um, in, in, in the fullest way, uh, towards my wife, towards my kid, kids and how imperfectly and how incompletely I do that. It's interesting to uh, to bring it up in that way because I think you know when we earlier were talking about that imperfection or that incomplete love uh, that we're looking for uh, our Lord to complete it for us. Um, and again, love not in the sense of that feeling, but in those uh, that choosing and those efforts. And I think most people would think that uh, you know looking at you and your family life would think that he has to be. Uh, pretty happy, pretty satisfied with his efforts to love and his uh, generosity and manly uh, gift to his uh, to his family, to his wife, to his children. You know, most people would probably look at me or at other priests and say they're doing a pretty complete and good job of, uh, of making those gifts. But yet, you know, we're always aware of those shortcomings. Right. 
I think particularly, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, the more you like, okay, so there's the saying, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. I think the more you, (laughs) the more you try to love more, the more, you know, you don't love enough. Um, So I, I I think it it be the self-awareness that we're all called to makes clear our imperfection. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And And then the more that we become aware of our Lord's perfect love, and how it was fully attentive, how it was uh, uh, that full gift himself, holding nothing back. Um, you know, in the, in, as St. Paul is certainly aware of in the uh, great uh, hymn uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, right? That Christ did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Um, and that, uh, and how we're called to imitate that, you know, be right. perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Oh, I can't do that. Right. And so. And you know, so, what was when I was thinking of, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I hope I'm right. That that you're you're about to transition to this point is, um, you know, so me wallowing in my imperfection, our awareness of my imperfection. Fortunately, I'm not left there. Uh, merely with the knowledge that I'm not loving as I ought to. No, and that's because because if you stay there, that's where you get into a despair or a frustration in the Christian life, an apathy. You know, why go farther if I can't do it? Right. And that's and that's a great danger that I see in uh, in the faithful. You know, or that I hear uh, from, from different souls and different encounters. You know, where there's that frustration, like, you know, Father, I just can't get it right. I just can't get it right. And here comes, I think, for me, the great gift of Catholic of our Catholic faith is uh, that prayer of the Mass. That it's, that it's through the Mass, that the Mass is that gift where we have access to uh, that one sacrifice of Christ. We can, we can join our own piddly and small and incomplete and insignificant and imperfect sacrifices, and we can join them uh, to His, and allow Him to make good what is lacking in our in our own uh, efforts, how would you how would you explain what if somebody said, "Okay, Father, that's fine, that's great," um, but concrete, concretely, practically, how does that work? You're t- so, so say I'm the person who's asking this as, as a husband and father. My, so, my love for my wife and my children is imperfect and incomplete, and I know I see that, and I know that my, in myself. Um, so what does it mean in my life with my wife and children? What does it mean to say that Christ perfects my love? I mean, I, he doesn't, you know, he's not like the game show host who pops out from behind the door when I'm loving him imperfectly and, and somehow, you know, here, Jermaine, my wife or my kids, uh, this is the perfection of his love. So what does that mean? A brand new car. <laughs> exactly. So what does that, yeah. what does that mean? Uh, it's, I think that's a uh, good question. It's a very good question uh, because we can we can look at it in a couple different ways. I think what I would tell you know uh, that uh, husband trying to be faithful is when you're praying at that mass, right, whether it's a daily mass or of course a Sunday obligation. You're praying at that mass. You know, it's uh, especially during that offertory time. You know, maybe the homily has caused you to reflect on maybe shortcomings in your own life or something like that. Uh, then that offertory time, you know, what's that? 
what's that dominant effort? What's that? What's that failure of the week? What's that? Do, what's that triumph of the week? Because even our triumphs are incomplete. Right. What are those movements of the week that was? You know, or the day that was, if it's a daily mass. You know, what, what are the what are the culminations? What are the what are the efforts? What are the trials? And to bring those uh, and offer them uh, to the Father. And so it's a spiritual. It's an internal action. It's going on at that point, an internal action. It's an act of faith. And so uh, it's an act of your will. It's a choice that you're making, but you're making it internally. It might not involve you physically doing something, although you know your, uh, your financial gift uh, to the parish and other charities is certainly, in a way, an expression of it. Right. But uh, it's, it's that internal action. Uh, but you're joining yourself to our Lord and, and seeking his... Uh, Seeking his fruit, his comfort, and this is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is this is the way you know. Some people say, "Well, what's it mean to be charismatic?" Sometimes, and I think this is the most profoundly, most profound, but yet the most available charismatic experience for every Catholic in the Church is to offer their own efforts in union with uh, Christ on the cross. Right. And. Uh, so for you as that, as that man trying to be uh, the good husband, the good father, can I, can I take those and just and hand them over to our Lord and say, Lord, I want you to make perfect those efforts, to redeem those efforts that I've made, to correct my faults, uh, correct, the, or correct any bad fruits of the efforts that I've made. And if that makes some sense to make it, it a little more concrete. It does, it does. Yeah. And I, I think because... Maybe when we're talking about this, maybe the temptation of the thought and listeners here, maybe to like a non-Catholic here as well, is kind of that game show host uh, notion you were talking about. Like Jesus is, pops out from behind the door and says, hey, hey, Chris Bergwald, now I'm going to make perfect uh, everything you just tried to do, you know? Right. Bibbidi-bobbidi right. Jesus. Exactly. You know, says the magic words and all changes. Right. And but even... Uh, and so it is still a real uh, sacrifice, and the fruit of this might be spiritual. The fruit of this might um, might not be something that we will appreciate in this world. We might not fully know what he's perfecting of our efforts in this world. Right. And uh, But at the same time, it calls us to be uh, aware of a certain power. Uh, This isn't a uh, material poverty this, that I can't buy um, that brand new car. Um, but it's that spiritual poverty that at the end of the day, my spirit, my soul, my heart, uh, uh, my will, my choices are weak. And I have to rely on our Lord to make them, make them good. So is that make where, is that, do you think that's um, when Jesus talks uh, in the Beatitudes mm -hmm. about can you hear me? Sorry, Father. Can you hear me? Sorry, I got a little goofy there. Okay. So, is that what you think? Um, is that what Jesus is referring to? That the spiritual poverty, when in the Beatitudes, he speaks about the poor in spirit, um, those who well, but we all are, but those who who realize the, their the the fundamental lack of their own efforts, their own efforts to love others. Very, uh, very right. That is the Beatitude of being poor in spirit. That is the blessing. And what, what what is the uh, what is the gift given to the poor in spirit? You know, I I was afraid you're going to ask me that. The, uh, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, I thought I was going to be inherit the earth. So there you go. I I, not I don't know my meek. beatitudes. Well, I believe no, that's I... blessed are the meek. Oh, okay, all right. But uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
And so when you're poor in spirit and you turn, and not just poor, but poor in spirit, and you turn to the Lord, and then the fruits of his kingdom, the fruits of his effort are given unto you. Um, and that's, that's, that's the great gift of, of the kingdom of God. You know, I think what, so, this is based on my own experience, but also I think the others, other Catholics that I've talked to, so often, because we do emphasize, because Jesus did, the importance of loving, and um, we do have that temptation, as we were talking earlier, to uh, to either despair and lament the fact that we can't, we love him perfectly, or to think that we're loving perfectly. And with that latter, you know, and not that people realize it, but the heresies of Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism, where we can do it all on our own, and yet the great, it's a great gift to, first of all, realize that I can't, but an even greater gift that it doesn't, even though I can't, he rescues, rescues us, so to speak, um, draws us out of that, draws him to himself, and again, perfects um perfects our own love the the imperfection the incompleteness our own love and and unites it to his love on the cross and that's uh that's a little bit what i was trying to get at with uh that whole analogy of the walls you know on one side without me you can do nothing on the other side take up your cross and follow after me right um you know that uh that we are called to follow him but our following will be imperfect but yet we're called to follow him anyways right uh this summer, someone was using the analogy of, uh, you know, a father watching his child take uh, his or her first steps. And, uh, you know, what what father is going to look at their child, you know, kind of standing up and shaky legs and, you know, holding on to the coffee table or whatever it is, right? You know, looking over your shoulder at, at dad and, you know, dad's like, come on, you can make the step. Come on, you can do it. Come over here, walk over here. And the child, you know, makes one step, two steps and falls over. Right uh, on his face, you know what? What, what fathers would be like? Oh, you fool! You know, absolutely. More. Why didn't you do it? Yep. Brother, uh, you know it's great. You did two steps. Now try it again. Let's go for three. Let's go for four. Exactly. Um, at the same time, too, that never forget that he does want to help us, and it's only by his grace that any of that is possible. Right. Huh. So, okay, so going back again, and we talk about the Beatitudes of spiritual poverty. Um, mm-hmm. So, what do we, how, how can we, how can we grow in this? What, what are, I mean, especially as a, as a priest, um, what, what recommendations, so to speak, what, what advice can you give to those who are trying to grow in this reality, in in always not just recognizing our our, our imperfection, but grow in how we um, join our love to Christ so that it can be perfected. Well, I think two things really kind of come to mind this way. First is, you know, make your prayer at mass deliberate. Okay. Make your prayer at mass deliberate. Now, I mean, for. And in your situation in life, that can be uh, harder than it sounds. You know, if you're um, maybe you're a priest, you know, it's a little harder sometimes because you're distracted with all sorts of things before Mass. Maybe you're uh, a father or mother with several children. Maybe you uh, have different difficulties and pains or something else. But to as well as you can, uh, just try and start making those recollections, of that, that purposeful participation in what's going on spiritually in that Mass, that our Lord is desiring to have you be united to Him. 
Okay. This is what he wants. Right. But even then to remember that if you do it badly, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even if you're making that, so you're counting your spiritual poverty and trying to make an act of spiritual poverty. That's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Father, I was trying to make an act of spiritual poverty, but I do it so bad. Oh, great. (laughs) Right. So, so, so don't, so don't be afraid about that. Don't be, don't be worried about that. Right. You're not going to offend him by making that, that, that bad effort or that, that weak effort. Just keep trying to make it a, a better one. Right. And then I think uh, the other question, uh, another thing too, then is gratitude. Uh, you know, concretely, some of those practices of gratitude. You know, can you, can I think of five things, ten things each day that I'm really grateful for? You know, and not just. Uh, some sappy, simple one, you know, like birds and butterflies, but um, but some real concrete thing that I was grateful for on that day. That's to start to turn your heart more towards our Lord and realize those things that He's pouring out on you, anyways, when you're not even making those spiritual sacrifices. Right. So. Okay. So, any, I'm just drawing this to a close. So, any particular way that you'd wrap this up or put a nice bow around it uh, as a, you know, to, to draw it together? Why else would Christ give us access to his death and resurrection? Why else? We, the, uh, it's one of the simplest way to grow in spiritual life. It's one of the simplest way to grow in awareness of his love for us. Um, at the same time, I think it's one of the ones that we're, that we're least attentive to. Right. Okay. Any any recommendations or if people want to um, read more, think more about this this whole topic, spiritual poverty and, and uniting our our love, our sacrifices to Christ so that they can be perfected. Any any books or other resources come to mind, Father, if somebody wants to do more? Uh, I got just a couple that come to mind, uh, even though you didn't prepare me for this question. I know. Uh, hey, hey, you asked me about the Beatitudes, so, you know, this is, turnabout is fair play, I think. Well, I, yes, but I thought you'd know the scriptures. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for assuming that someone with a doctorate in theology from Rome would know the scriptures. Uh, here we go. <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, I'd have to say uh, the uh, Teresa of Lisieux's story of a soul. Okay, it'd be a very good one that way. Just kind of in just kind of little simple things that she offers up. She talks about how she would um, she wouldn't sit with her back touching. Uh, the back of a chair, you know, some little things like that. Here, little stories that way, uh, and it's a good book. There's another one um, by Father Thomas Dubay, who just passed away recently. Yes, he called uh, "Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit," I believe. Or "Blessed Are Your Poor." Okay. Wow. Don't know the title exactly off the top of my head. That'd be another interesting one to look through that way. I think. Okay. Any recommendations you have that way? Um. You know, what I the thing as I was asking that question uh, myself, I was thinking about the, the catechism. I think talks about how um, not much, not great detail, but a little bit about how um, we are all 
when we're baptized in Christ, we're baptized in him as priest, prophet, and king. And with that first point, as priest, the, the, the offerings that all of us um, make as baptized Christians, as baptized Catholics, what we can offer to our Lord. Uh, so there's a section, uh, and I, unfortunately I don't remember the, um, the citations right now, but if you look in the catechism, um, in the section on baptism, but also the section um, on the laity uh, and how we can offer um, our sacrifices to 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 Christ, so that He can perfect them. I think that that might be some fruit there. And then checking the references because the Catechism is great about giving further reading in the footnotes to Scripture and other church documents. So, footnotes for the win. Exactly. So, all right. Well, thank you, Father, for uh, sharing your thoughts. I, I do think that's a, a topic that um, we uh, well we can always hear about. I guess but put it that way. Um, and uh, with that as always if anybody has any questions you can email me and uh, if I can't answer it I'll be happy to forward it on to Father and, and I'm sure if I can't he can uh, and the email is always cbergwald at sfcatholic.org so with that thanks Father for being here again this week my pleasure and good to be back talking with you same here and until next week we'll see you again next week I guess rather God bless